0: It's a real honor, actually. I don't take it lightly, uh, being able to stand in this family and to, and to share from my heart what I feel like the Lord's saying. I don't take it lightly at all. So thank you for listening. Thank you for for already the worship this morning set us up in a position where we're saying constantly, God, we're here for you. We're here to, we're here to worship and honor you. We're here to glorify you. We're here to hear what you're saying to our hearts, and we're here to be transformed by that. So if we're in that position, we're laughing, aren't we? And so, so, God, let that be what happens this morning. A um, little bit of context about me. Uh, I moved to Lytham St. Anne's 25 years ago. Uh, my dad was working at BAE, still is working at BAE, funnily enough, uh, 25 years ago on Wharton Street. So literally 30 seconds walk maybe from here, one to on Wharton Street, that's where we lived. Um, and uh, started going to a youth group over in Ansel at the Well Church. And that's where I met Ruth and John and a bunch of other fab young people in the youth group there, I was saved at the age of 19 at Spring Harvest. So that's 20-something years ago at Spring Harvest in 2001. And the reason I was at Spring Harvest in 2001 is because there was a spare ticket because somebody had to drop out. And that, that person was John. So I'm thankful, for, <laughs> I'm thankful for whatever it was that meant you weren't at Spring Harvest that year. It meant that I could go. Uh, so yeah, uh, we, and I began to work, I got, got saved at 19 into the Well Church and worked alongside them for a bunch of years, on staff for eight years as Youth and Young adult pastor, and then five years ago, we took our family over to Manchester to plant Catch the Fire. That's So we've got some history and heritage here in Lytham St. Anns and love this place and love you guys, and, and obviously we're, we've been cheering Ruth and John on for years. So um, Yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to speak this morning from Romans, Romans 12, uh, and it's, it's a, just to pre-warn you, there are a bunch of challenges that we're going to hear this morning um, from the Lord, and uh, I want to put that into context really quickly. The passage that I'm going to read is Romans 12, 9 through 21, and I'm going to focus on 9 and 10, and maybe a little bit of 13, really just to, to dig deep into those, and you're going to give me bo- a bunch of grace, because I'm from a different culture, and I sometimes waffle a bit long, but you're with me, right? <laughs> and so this section that we're going to read from is, is called love in action. Uh, in the NIV, it calls it "love and action." In the New King James Version, it calls "behave like a Christian," and in the ESV, it says "marks of a true Christian." Now that feels heavy, right? When you okay, this is this is uh, some some challenges that we're going to be uh, de- going to be delivered directly to our hearts from the Word of God, and I want you to just position yourselves even right now. God, would you speak to me through your Word this morning? Would you? Would you challenge me? Would you allow my heart to be soft enough and to be malleable enough by your hand that you would call me deeper, that you would, that you would bring me, raise me up into everything that you've made me to be in Jesus' name? Okay, before we read that, um, we have to understand that when you read Romans 12, a bunch of stuff came before Romans 12, 1 through 11, namely. Now, When Paul writes letters, most of the time he's writing his letters to somebody or a church, and normally there's a specific context that he's writing into. If he's writing to Timothy, he's writing to his friend and and the person that he's been mentoring for years, and and Timothy is leading a church in Ephesus, and there's stuff going on there, and so he's writing into a context. With Romans, it's slightly different in that um, he's writing to a group of people, a group of believers he doesn't necessarily know. Um, And he's hoping in the future that he'll get to go and see them and he'll get to be with them and he'll get to develop relationship with them. And so what you've got in Romans as a book is... It's like a synopsis, if you like, of all a gathered together of all Paul's thoughts on on Christian living, and it's really helpful for us to read through it because you get to see this is what's this is what how Paul would describe from front to back what it looks like to live like a believer to live like a, a Christian whose life's been redeemed by Jesus, and so one through twelve. Um, Romans 1 through 12 is just this incredible breakdown of, of God's mercy and his grace, um, our, our, our salvation through faith and all of these incredible things and so when we come to listen to Romans 12 which is a bunch of challenges about things that we should do if we're a believer, things that we should look like, we've got to read that in the context of he's just laid out that none of this is possible without the extravagant grace of God. None of, none of Romans 12 and the things that we're expected to walk and and, and express as believers, none of that's possible without without the goodness and his love and his mercy and his grace over our lives. So that's the caveat that I want to lay in there before. Every time I say, hey, we ought to, or this is what we should look like, understand that this isn't something that we can just magically do out, out of the strength of our own will. It's not something that we can um, you know, put in our diary and say, "Oh, I'm going to be more Christ-like today because that's that's the thing I need to achieve to look like a Christian." These marks are manifestations of what what a redeemed life looks like when Jesus just really takes hold of your heart and you begin to um, overflow, as so to speak, with the goodness of Him. Galatians 5, I think it is, talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. You don't just wake up and say, I'm going to be good today. It's a manifestation of the work of the Spirit in your life. And so that's the caveat before we start saying, hey, this is what we should all be like. Um, You can't. You can't be like that without him, so don't try. Okay, Romans 12, verse 9. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, there's a lot in there and like i said i'm not going to we're not going to unpack that entire the entirety of that but what i fully believe is if if you can grab hold of in your heart and allow the truth of romans 12 9 and 10 to really transform your thinking the rest comes as a natural overflow a byproduct of what it means to be transformed by jesus love okay so we're going to look at romans 9 and and we're going to I'm going to do this thing where I unpick some of those words a little bit because some of the words that we hear in the English, we understand in a certain way. We have a, a, um, yeah, we're familiar with them, but sometimes they very much miss the point of what Paul was trying to say. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at words like sincere, good, evil. We're going to look at love. We're going to look at, um, from Romans 12.10, uh, uh, where it says, oh, I can see it at the back. That's amazing. Um, where it says outdoing one another. What does that look like in the ESV? Okay. So the word for sincere, where it says love must be sincere or genuine, uh, in, in Romans 12.9, it says, um, it is the word anupokritos. this is my horrific pronunciation of greek but it's it 's linked to the 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 word that the classical Greeks would use to describe actors and it 's linked to our word hypocrite and so in in classical Greek theater, an actor is called a hypocrite it means they 're wearing a mask they 're being something that they are not they 're portraying something that they 're not actually, and so um when, when Paul's saying, hey, your love must be sincere, he's, he's right off the bat in this. This is what the hallmarks of a Christian, Christian living looks like, is that you're genuine, that your love is sincere and, and truthful and honest and isn't wearing a mask and is flawed in some cases and is vulnerable and all of those things. But there's a call for us to have a love that's genuine. not phony, not an act, no hidden agendas, no ulterior motives. And we need to approach that and understand that, that call and that charge before we can really approach the second half, which is hate evil and love good. Because our tendency, or maybe I'll say mine, and you can join in with this if you like, my tendency as a a human is to when it comes to the idea of hating evil and loving that that's good, is to think about other people's life circumstances and think about what other people are doing. And we see, we see things in other people's lives and we think, that's not okay. That's not good. That shouldn't be happening. And, and, we, and we look at that scripture and we're like, I should hate evil. I should hate the evil that's in other people's lives and, and I should cling to good. And I want to just unpick that for a second. There's one thing that unites us, is that all have fallen short of his glory. All have messed up. All have missed the mark, have sinned and missed it. But Every one of us, it goes on to say in Romans 3, 24, all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the thing that unites us. And I'm thankful for that when I look at the scripture that says, hate evil and love what's good. The word good, agathos, that's the Greek word. And it means something that is intrinsically good. It describes that which originates from God. The, the, very, the very essence of who he, he, who he is, his love, his kindness, his gentleness, all of the things that we describe from Galatians 5, the overflow of the fruits of the Spirit, that's, that's the good stuff. And so we're asked to cling onto everything that emanates from the person of God, who he is. And so what's evil? The word is poneros, um, again, apologies for the horrific Greek pronunciation, but it's the word that's important. The Greek word is, uh, the Greek root for that word is ponos, um, which means pain-filled. And it's, it's linked in the, in the it's, again, the, it's rooted in the word poneo, or poneiros is li- linked in the word poneo, which means toil and hard work, that that is, that is graft, that that is struggle. And guess where that comes from? That overflows from the heart of man. That overflows from me and it overflows from you. And so in this, in this particular scripture, we're, he's saying, you need to just really hate the things that, that, that come from your own self-striving, your own pride, your own, um, your own artifice that you put up, your own mask that you wear. You need to hate those things. And you need to cling hold of the good stuff that emanates from the person of Jesus in you. So everything that's good, cling hold to it. Everything that is, so everything that is of Him, everything that that originates in the heart of God, build your life around that stuff. And everything that comes bubbles up out of you and your humanity and your brokenness it's that that you that you hate. And it, and it's a different it's a different focus, isn't it? When we can grasp that and we can begin to let that transformation happen here on the inside of us, then then we can start to really live that transformed life that Romans 12 has asked us to live. Okay, I'm skipping through this quite quickly because I want to give us space to really respond. Okay, we then, we're then asked to love, aren't we? Romans 12, 12, 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Okay, what is love all about? We have, we have one word for love, really, don't we? We describe love in one specific kind of way. The Greek have four, four different words for the, for the word love. One of them doesn't exist in scripture, so I won't hang around that one too much, but three, three of them do, and they're important to this passage particularly. So here's an example for, for me and how I would describe my day. Um, my wife, Laura, and I, we went on a date recently and we watched a movie, which I loved. I loved the movie. It was good. Ate some delicious food, which I loved, walked around the Trafford Center, holding hands with my wife, which I thought was lovely. I loved it. My parents, who I love, were looking after my kids, who I love, in their new house that they just moved into, which I love, and it was a great date. I loved it. I loved my date. The context of that, you could probably pick out and understand the depth and the level of my love for each of those things. Obviously, I love my kids a little bit more than I love good food, and as is correct, or at least that's what I should be saying right now, Um <laughs> So we really need we really need those Greek words, especially when we're trying to unpick something as challenging as Romans 12 as a passage. We really need to understand what we're being asked to do uh, in loving um, b- before we before we sort of commit to it and say, Yeah, I'm in. I'll do that. And so, word, word number one is agape, which we might have heard, and that's the sacrificial love. It it costs the lover. It's unconditional in its basis, but it, it, it's chosen, and it's acted out of your will. It's something that you choose to do. It's not something that, that kind of happens naturally, necessarily. It's a voluntary uh, thing that you engage with. Second is phileo. Is phileo um, love is, is much more relational. It's a love that speaks of affection, fondness, liking each other. It's a relational friendship kind of love, Okay. Uh, again, very different to agape love, but, but it's still referred to as love in Scripture because that's what we do. We make it a little bit too oversimple sometimes. The last is storge, which is affectionate love. It's the type of love you might have for a family member or, or, or a deep personal friend. Um, it's a naturally occurring, unforced love that just bubbles up. Okay, so... We need to understand those. At the beginning of verse 9, Paul's saying, Let your agape, so let your unconditional uh, sacrificial love, the love that costs you, um, initiated by your heart, be genuine. So you need to genuinely make a decision to, to love people, to love other people. In verse 10, it takes a slightly different turn. It says, Love one another, which feels in English like you're just repeating yourself. But Paul, but Paul's saying something very different here, and that's what I think we want to grab hold of. So love, in, in, at the beginning of Romans 12.10, the word is phileo storge or filio storgos. It's phileo and storge love mashed together in one. It's that, it's that relational love that moves to natural affection and, and deep uh, intimate heart connection. We haven't touched on the, the fourth, which is eros, because that doesn't really matter in Scripture. It doesn't appear. But 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 we're being asked here in Romans 12.10 to love one another. And not just agape, which is to choose to love one another. You know, we, we make the Christian remark, we, I, I love you because I'm told to love you. That's not what Paul's saying here. He goes, you, you are to love. You are to make that conscious decision. But it needs to shift from that conscious decision to love one another into, actually, now now I need you to love one another with brotherly affection. So I need you to step now into a different kind of love, which is filio, relational friendship love, and storge, deep heart connection, intimate love for one another. And it goes further, because in that sentence, there's, there's another love thrown in there for good measure. The, the, the brotherly affection um, is Philadelphia. Philébe coming again from that root of phileo love and Delphi coming from brother. So the brotherly affection is loving each other like a brother. It's again another, it's a call to go beyond that commitment to, I'm a believer, Jesus tells me to love everybody, so I'm going to choose to love them even if I don't like them. And that's fine and it's okay to do that actually. We're not called to have deep loving affection for everybody but we are called to love them unconditionally we are called but we are called when it comes to family when it comes to um the relationships that we develop in the community of Jesus we're called to go beyond just tolerating each other and love we're called to to invest in each other we're called to to a deeper sense of love and that's that's again difficult and I'm thankful for this scripture because there's a challenge involved in that but thankfully there's also a okay how the heck do I make that happen explanation and so i like the practical explanation things um they're really helpful there's a really interesting conversation between jesus and peter um, this is after, after peter has just denied jesus three times um and jesus comes back and he's he's in this conversation you, you're probably familiar with it but, but jesus says to peter do you love me and he says, yeah, of course I love you. And then Jesus said, "We'll go and feed my sheep. And, and, it, and it goes on, do you love me? Yeah, of course I love you. And do you love me? Of course I love you. And three times Jesus asks Peter that same question. And you see the irritation in Peter. Well, as I read it, I see his irritation. Why are you asking me this repeatedly? And of course, it's linked with the fact that he rejected him three times, of course. But, but this conversation is different in Greek than it is in English. Because Jesus says, do you agape me? That is, do you, do you make a conscious choice to love me? And Peter's response is, Jesus, I phileo you. I love you, not because I have to, but because I really want to. It's a natural overflow of my heart towards you. And so Jesus says again, do you agape me? And he says, I phileo you. And then Jesus relents and says, do you phileo me? And he says, yes, I phileo you. That's what I'm trying to say all along. There's another, there's another sermon there that I'm not going to preach today. But Jesus is calling obedience out in Peter in that moment. Okay, maybe I'm going to preach it. Jesus is calling obedience out in Peter. Do you, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult and uncomfortable, do you choose to respond to what I'm asking you to respond to? And do you love me? Agape, the costly, self-sacrificial love. And Peter's response isn't yes, yes. You have my all, I I sacrifice myself fully. Because he knows he can't say that because he's literally just lived out the opposite of that in running away. Um, And so he's like, I I feel you. He's like, I I love you deeply with all my heart, but I'm struggling with that point. Okay, I'm going to stop before I go too far down that rabbit trail. But there's something in that for us. He's calling obedience, yes but he's calling us to a much deeper level of, of what it looks like to love him and to love one another. And I love that about this church, right? That's, that's, the, that's the point. Love God with all you are and let that love transform you so that you love the world around you in, a, in an extravagant way. Not just a way that says, I tolerate you because I'm told to tolerate you, but I love you deeply and I want to see I want to see the kingdom of God manifest in your life. Yeah, so ask anybody, ask any churchgoer, any believer in any church in the U.K., Um, whether they love the world, and they'll say, yes, I love, I love, or not even the world, do you love the people in your church congregation? And I'll say, yeah, of course I love them. But do you phileo them? Yeah, of course I agape them. No, no, no. Do you phileo storge like the scripture asks us to do? Do you deeply love them? And the answer is, I don't know. Probably not. We're being called higher, aren't we? I guess that's what I'm saying. Okay, thankfully, verse ten gives us the how. This is the what we're what we're expected to do. Verse ten gives us the how. It says, honor yourself above, uh, honor each other above yourselves. Let me read the whole script, that whole verse again. Love one another with brother, uh, brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's the ESV. I like it in the ESV a lot. And so. In the King James Version, it says, in honor, preferring one another. The ESV says, outdoing one another and showing affection. There's a call to action. it. In, in when somebody says, outdo somebody else, we, we saw a little bit of competitive streak come out before. But there's something of a, hey, I'm challenging you right now to outdo that person that sat next to you or that person that sat across the room from you. Outdo them in showing honor. And that, that challenge is one that I really want us to grab a hold of. We're to lead the way in showing honor. So, so, so to show honor means to communicate properly perceived value or worth. Now, here's the problem with us as believers, especially if we misunderstand what it means to hate the sin, uh, to hate evil and love good. We, 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 we think about that scripture externally, and we look around and we're like, oh, I don't know about that. And so we, we, we have a, a skewed and messed up understanding of other people's worth and value based on what we perceive, their behavior sets and their ideas and the way that they choose to do life and who they hang out with and what they wear. And we and we, and we create a, um, a messed up understanding of what somebody is worth based on all of that stuff. And really what Paul's asking us to do is get inside, perceive that in yourself. What's the messed up stuff that's bubbling up in you? The The, the wrong thinking, the wrong understandings, the judgments, the pride, the... Etc. 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 And so, and so, to to outdo your brother or sister in showing honor is to is to make sure that you are are properly perceiving their value and their worth. And to do that, all we have to do is look through the eyes of God, because he he deemed each one in this room and each one outside of this room in, in other church buildings and each one that is not even in a church building right now that might be slowly recovering from whatever session they had last night, he perceives them very differently to we perceive them. He looks upon them, and it is, it is agape love. It is an unconditional love that cost him dearly, but there's just an overwhelming storge, father love for every person. And he deemed humanity, not just humanity as a whole, but every one of us, of such worth that he's like, I'm going to give my son... I'm going to put my son in your place, and I'm going to put the sins that you've been carrying onto him. He's going to pay the price for them, and in his death, he's going to go to the grave. Those sins are going to go to the grave with him, and when he's resurrected, you get resurrected too, but guess what? All of the sin and the dirt and the stuff gets left in the grave, and you had to do nothing. That's the extravagance of, of grace that, that, that precedes this challenge to be a, a people that manifests Jesus all of the expectations of romans 12 9 through 21 all of the you know challenges to love people when they're horrible to you and all of the calls to to sacrifice yourself on the behalf of other people it comes it's it's got to be rooted it's got to be rooted in that re- uh, that recognition and that revelation of not just your worth but the worth of the person that stands in front of you dearly beloved of god so much so that he would give his only son in order for that person to be forever more with the Father in heaven. That's that's how you properly perceive worth. Now, um, in 2007, um, my wife and I, we went out to Toronto to a school of ministry out there. And it's an international school, so you had people from all over the place. Um, uh, and it was amazing to just come into contact with so many different cultures and so many different ways of expressing faith towards God. And, and I loved it. Um, but we had this, like... It just happened by default, um, maybe because of sense of humor, but there's a bunch of guys that I just really love to be around, and they all just so happened to be English. And it wasn't like a a conscious choice, just naturally we enjoyed each other's company, Um, except two English guys. And this is me confessing me not living out Romans 12 uh, at all, Uh, and there was two guys, And, and so... Those like five months of the school and then the last month of the school was an outreach and you would go all over the, the world in different places. We went to Northern California and I'm just hoping and I'm praying, God, would you just make sure that my outreach team is filled with these guys that I love to be around? That would just be amazing. Could you imagine going to North California and just, just being able to do ministry with all of these guys? And uh, God had other ideas, like he had a different plan. He placed in my group the two people who I for one reason or another, really struggled to connect with, really struggled to connect with. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And again, the school of ministry was all about developing me as an individual and growing my the grace in my heart. And, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that those guys were in my group. But I had to do this thing, which was to eat crow. I had to get humble before God. I had to repent for some of the ways that I had thought towards these guys and I had to repent really for praying and hoping that they wouldn't be with me for a month and, and all of those things. Um, and the solution for that was Romans 12.10. I had to outdo them in showing honor. So I had to choose, God, I need to see them fast, really fast. I need to see them through your eyes. Tell me why you love them. Tell me what you adore about them. Talk to me about their hearts. Talk to me about their struggles. Help me to understand them like you understand them so that I can love them like you love them. That's, that's what it looks like to outdo somebody in showing honor. We need each other. I, I chose to love them at the beginning, and that, that agape love, that sacrificial oh, well, if I have to, love turned into, actually, God, I can see them like you see them. And, and phileo, brotherly affection, bubbles up from within me. And lo and behold, the gospel works. Jesus, when he comes alive in your heart, manifests and looks like something. And it looks like love because that's who he is. And so, lo and behold, a month later, after you know very intense times of ministry and sleeping on floors and all that kind of stuff, there's a deep, bond and a connection between me and those guys who I would have loved to not be around if I had the choice in my own heart and that's the problem we we tend to think about ourselves a little too much and about other people a little little too not enough a little too little yeah not enough so there's another challenge for you if you'll take it There's a really great phrase in 12.10 in, in and it says one, one another, love one another, outdo one another and that phrase appears quite a lot in scripture and I'm going to just fly through a few of them. I won't read, I won't read the scripture verses but you'll, you'll have heard them before. Romans 12.5 says we are all part of the same body, we're all members of one another. So even me, like not part of this particular expression of the body of Christ, I get to come into this room and I'm... I am one another with you. I'm part of, I'm part of the same body that you're part of. It might look different, it might sound different, it might speak different, but it's it's the body, it's the bride. And and we get to celebrate that regardless of what it looks like for others. And and thank you for accepting and honoring me. And there's the call. Regardless of who we meet and how we meet them, they're part of. They're, they're part of us. And we need one another. So we're told to, as as members of one body, to love one another live in harmony with one another, build one another up, be like-minded towards one another, accept one another, admonish one another, greet one another, care for one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, be patient with one another, be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with, sim, uh, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider one another better than yourselves. Look to the interests of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Exhort one another. Stir up one another towards love and good works. Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefits of one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess your sins one to another. You're really important. This is what I'm saying. That You're important to me. You're important to each other. You're very important to Ruth and John. You're important. We all are. We all carry something significant in the body. And when we, I guess when we, when we miss what it looks like to press through sacrificial love into the deep, into the deeper filio storge love of God. We sometimes miss that. There are so many people, even in, in, in my congregation at home, that I, I know because I see them on a Sunday. I stand next to them and I worship them. But, but I, do I know them? Like have I let love bubble up in me for that person? Or are we just part of a club that we attend on a Sunday? And, and, and I have to really challenge myself. This is, I guess it's slightly different as a church leader because there's a lot of people <laughs> that you have to try and connect with but it's again going off piece now going off notes we're called to be a kingdom of priests right every one of us in this room carries something significant that ministers to the heart of God and ministers to the body of Christ every one of us and when we withhold that from the body of Christ Jesus doesn't get his full reward Jesus misses What's due to him, which is the body of Christ, alive and well, flowing in the depth of God's love, ministering to one another in all of those ways that we just saw. Okay, last word, and then, what's the normal wrap-up time? We're good. Okay, last word, and this is in Romans twelve thirteen. It won't be on the screen, I don't think, but but in Romans twelve thirteen, it says contribute uh, or share with the Lord's people who are in need. Um, this is. This word contribute or share. In different different translations will render it differently, but it's a brilliant word. And you might have heard it, but it's koinoneos or koinonia. And I've been in church church groups before where they call the community groups koinos groups, and I think it's a brilliant way to describe those groups. By the way, um, and the 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 call is to share with one another, and. Again, if we read it in English, it can be easy to think if somebody's got a financial need or they need their furniture moving. As a, as a believer, as part of that body, I should be ready to um, I should be ready to lend a hand or ready to to open my wallet. And, and it, there's some degree of truth in that, um, but that's not necessarily what's being said. So the word "coin" and "neo." Um, is linked to koinonia, which is one, uh, one of the key words in the early, that described the early church. Uh, and, and koinos, which again means to belong to one another, which I love. And so this word, share with or, or, or contribute, actually means to become a partner with, to become a partaker, to join in with your brother or sister in Christ. And, and not in a not in a, a a withdrawn sort of way that says I see that person's plight and I see that they've got a, a goFundMe page up and I feel like I can contribute to that that's not the kind of contribution that that distant removed contribution that that we all do and it's and it's good you get you know sometimes we'll be in a meeting we'll be stirred somebody will share testimony about a ministry trip that they're going on and we feel we feel like, actually, I want to sew into that. There's nothing wrong with that, please understand. But that's not what Paul's asking us to do in this scripture. He's asking us to go beyond a remote, removed contribution to somebody's need into, I'm going to make that person's need, my need. I'm going to become a partner with that person's situation. That's, that's what it looks like to be, I mean, what, was the, what were the titles? The church, love in action marks of a Christian. If, if that, that's what we should look like, is that actually we are so invested, invested is a great word, not just financially, but I'm so invested in your life that the outcomes of your day, the outcome of your week is very, very important to me. The outcome of your walk with the Lord is really, really important to me. The outcome of your call to ministry is really, really important to me. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give to you, That you love one another just as I have loved you. You're to love one another by this. All people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You can't force love. You can make an agape conscious choice to love. And so this commandment that Jesus is asking us to do is completely unachievable outside of him. He's saying love. He's saying make a conscious choice to love. Outdo one another, like uh, the, the, the word, I've skipped a little bit of my notes, but the word outdo means to, to lead, to go ahead, to be the leader in, to, to set the pace for everybody else around you. Set the pace for the people around you in showing people how valuable they are to God and how much you love them in, in Jesus. And so the call is to, to go ahead and do that. A new commandment, Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you so that everybody around will be able to look at you and perceive in your life, there's Jesus right there. I don't know Jesus. I've never read the Bible. I'm Joe Blogs on the streets, but I can see something in you that doesn't look like the rest of the world. It looks like deep love and affection for humanity. And that's that's the marks of a true Christian, is that that's what we manifest. That's what we look like. That's what we expressed to the world around us. Yes, we're called to love God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our strength, all of that stuff. And love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to say something now that I'm saying, as I say, I'm verbally processing. Those of you who know me a little bit might know that, that that's a foible of mine. So I don't know if I believe fully what I'm about to say. And I'll clarify if I don't. The mission and the ministry of the church is 100% to seek and save the lost and to continue the work of redemption that Jesus began. That's the that's the call, is to get out there and to love people and to minister to them. If we can't nail that Romans 12, 10 thing in the house of God, we're not taking anything out there that's of any value. Um, I do believe that. I'll stand on that. We have to really grab a hold of... That challenge in Romans 12, 10, I won't read through it all again, but but take your t- take time to, to digest that. If this is what it looks like to be a Christian, to be a believer, to be a follower of Jesus, do I hit the marks in that? Do I, am, I, am I living my life like that? And please don't feel like, okay, here's another task list of things that I've got to achieve. Because like we said right at the beginning, I had to caveat this right at the beginning, so I knew this is where we'd end up. You can't do any of it outside of his love. You have to. You just have to allow him to transform you from the inside out. You have to let that conscious choice to love people manifest into this filio storge transformational love that allows you to to to, to join in the life of somebody else and to partner with them and to choose to prefer them, to choose to, to seek their betterment and their well-being. And that's not to say, Oh, I can see all the evil in your life, and I want to just speak into that. It's no, I'm going to stand with you in this, and I'm going to love you regardless. I'm going to see the love of God manifest. I I went to Spring Harvest in 2001 as a as a verging on alcoholism, unpleasant human being generally, um, very broken, very hurting, and in that in a moment, in a single moment, in in one of those meetings. I met the person of Jesus, and I met the person of Jesus in the people that were sitting around me that invited me to come along to this meeting that I didn't even want to be at, really. But I met Jesus. I met love. I met genuine love and compassion through through humans and people. And like we, we were worshiping, I don't know the name of the second song. It's the first time I've ever heard it. The second song we were worshiping, but there was a statement in that that where we where, uh, again, I'm going to butcher the lines here. But we were calling out for revival. We were singing. That was what we were singing this morning. God, I want revival. I want the whole land to know you and know your love. Guess what? It exists already in Romans twelve nine through twenty one, where we're called to be a physical manifestation, a representation of heaven on earth. The, the very person of Jesus gets to live alive and well in, in you. There's a response that's required from every heart. Every person in the room gets to make that response. Corporate worship is fabulous. Corporate times of engaging and loving God is precious and powerful. There's also a real power in, in, in those single moments of encounter. And I can't tell you how much I love that description this morning of sitting across the table from Jesus. Staring into his eyes. That's the, that's the moment that we're in. The perfect expression of koinoneo, of somebody partnering with and entering into somebody else's life is found in the person of Jesus. The perfect expression of Christian living walked out is found in the person of Jesus. And as it's been sung and said already today, when we are in his presence, when we gaze upon him, we become like him. And so, God, I just ask right now in this moment that, that, you would, that you would do business with each and every one of our hearts. Lord, we, we aren't a Sunday club. There's plenty of places that we could be this morning, God, where in bed being one of them. There's plenty of places where we could be, but we choose to be here because, because you are worthy. You're worthy of us being in this room. And if you're worthy of us being in this room, you're worthy of our attention right now. You're worthy of our affection you worthy of a moment of us just gazing into your eyes and allowing you to speak truth. So God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that as you look at me, there is deep, deep affection that flows. Not just a choice, an agape choice to love us, but you did that. You chose us over everything. But that agape love grew into something substantial and significant, the phileo storge, relational deep intimate love that we get to enter into in you jesus we get to walk in and express to the world around us and so he's here to talk to your heart each one of you is going to have a different conversation with the lord right now why don't you just ask him the question god when was the last time i outdid my brother in speaking your love into their lives, in seeking and speaking their love your love into their lives. When did the last when was the last time I led the charge where I set the example to those around me of what it looks like to love?